What a blessing to be able to share this time together with all of you. Like I say, my friends, near and far, wherever you are, some of you joining us, maybe even for the very first time, others of you been here for a while. We've been connected together for a long run here online. Some of you are part of our Cornerstone community. Some of you are joining us for the very first time, and I'm glad you're here with us. We're getting closer to Easter, special time of the year, getting our hearts prepared to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with people all over the world. Really, it begins with what we're doing today. This is Palm Sunday, and we're getting ourselves ready for the Easter week. We're going to continue on, though, with our Healthy Love series. I'm going to talk about, I think it's appropriate, how love endures and the, the amazing, beautiful example of Jesus. I mean, <laughs> the cross alone is, a, is an example of how love endures. But with that in mind, let me just pray over what we're about to share together. And I want you to be so blessed. I do. Strengthened, encouraged, more capable of meeting the challenges that are always a part of being alive in a broken world. So Lord Jesus, we welcome you. We thank you, Lord, for your love, a love that would never quit. And we ask that you would meet us as we share the word, the words within the word, the, the life that you have for us. We just pray for your blessing over our time as we invest it into things that truly matter and will last forever. That's my prayer for all of us in Jesus' name. So let's go. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it one more time. Come on. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And here's what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. You see, love bears all things, believes all things, like we talked about last week, hopes all things, and here it is, endures all things. You know, the word endure in the original Greek is hupomeno. It's a combination of two words, hupo, which means under, and the word mino, which means to stay or to abide. So it speaks of love's capacity to bear up under enormous pressure. Or at other times in the scripture, this same word is rendered as patience or uh, steadfastness or perseverance. And it literally means to remain and could justifiably be translated in our vernacular as stick Intuitiveness, right? So when we say healthy love endures all things, what we are saying is that it's a love that is loyal. Yeah. A love that's committed. A love that has staying power. Listen, even when things are hard, when it's really hard, when it's tough, it resists the inclination to run or to abandon its commitments 
And so as we make our way into this Easter week towards Good Friday and, of course, Easter Sunday, I can't help but think about the example of Jesus and what he taught us, right? Now, he modeled this kind of loyal love, this committed love. Can't help but think about the weight that he bore and the promises <laughs> that he kept. So I want to return to the upper room. That's what I want to do. I want us to go there together to the last hours of Jesus's ministry prior to his arrest and crucifixion. It's recorded in John 13. I want to read it together. Have us drift back in our mind's eye and try to imagine the moment as we are invited to do. Verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? What? No, this was such a Peter moment. It really was. I love all sides of this. First, he says, no way <laughs> are you washing my feet. <laughs> Look, I'll wash yours, but you'll never wash mine. Now that was emphatic, classic Peter, his love, his respect, his admiration for Jesus on full display. You're the Lord. You're the promised one. You're Messiah. You're our teacher. You're our master. We are your students. You don't wash our feet. I can hear it. <laughs> it really did reveal two things. One, Peter's just absolute reverence and belief in Jesus. And two, Peter's conception of the world. That's also something we need to see here. I mean talking about how he saw the order of things. In his mind, the greatest among us were served. They were, they were, right? I mean, not the servants don't get served. <laughs> the servants do the serving. But look what Jesus says to him. Jesus meets Peter's immediate resistance. And by the way, I love Peter for it. I do. I love the fact that it bothered him uh, that, that Jesus would wash his feet. I, I, but Jesus answered him and he said, what I am doing, you do not understand I, now. I know that. But afterwards, later, you will understand. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I know this doesn't make sense to you, Simon. I will see Simon pulling away his feet from Jesus. Three, watch what was happening. But it's like Jesus saying, later it will. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Right? He can't help himself. Peter ups the ante. It's emphatic. You will never wash my feet. That's what he's telling Jesus. It's not going to happen. 
Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. That is, you must, Peter, in this moment, submit, submit to being served by me, or you cannot follow me. And at this moment, all eyes in the room are <laughs> fixated on this moment, right? I mean, they're, they're just all watching this kind of in a stunned silence. What's he going to say? Simon Peter said to him, well, did that's the Lord, then not my, not my feet only, but, but also my hands and my head. Once again, the pendulum swings. There is, right? He goes from one extreme to the next. There is no midway for this man. And Jesus said to him, and I think it was a little bit lightheartedly breaking the tension in the room. I, I think Jesus said, look, I appreciate the sentiment, but that won't be necessary. No, the one who has bathed does not need to wash, my friend, except for his feet. So I'm offering to wash right now. <laughs> but is completely clean and you are clean. And I think Jesus said that with a bit of a smile, but then a turn ominously, but not every one of you for we're told in verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. We are reminded by the way, that Jesus knew with clarity what was happening here. He wasn't caught off guard. He knew exactly where it was going to lead. He saw it. He was under no illusions, understood the gravity of what was happening. And yet his love, here it is, his love, the model of healthy love, his love endured. And you go back to that first verse of this 13th chapter. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own were in the world. He loved them to the end. It is. And those of you who've walked with me now for a number of years, I know a lot of you are new. Some of you brand new. Some of you haven't even really opened up your heart to Jesus. Some of you've never actually visited us in presence. You've, this has been our connection point online, but Many are aware how much I hold this verse in my affection. Uh, it's probably one of a handful of verses that mean so much to me. And over the years I've, I've shared from time to time about this verse because it has never ceased to impress me. And I think on more than one occasion, it has brought me to tears actually. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, he saw the cross looming. He knew what was coming. He understood how much he would suffer the alienation at a spiritual level that he had never felt before the bearing of the weight of our sin, the separation from the father, the um, total vulnerability to be exploited by the evil one 
just all of these things coming together, the vanquishing and the happiness of his enemies as they watched him. And uh, all of this was coming, the, the pain of betrayal, just everything on his mind. And yet we are told, having loved them, he loved them to the end. Oh, captain, my captain. Yeah. With the weight of his, with the weight of the world on his shoulders, with the hounds of hell boring in on him, he pauses. Do you see it? To complete his commitment of love. I mean, you want to talk about how love endures? I mean, this is it. Jesus, the finisher. Having loved them, he loved them to the end. What a reminder of what true love, healthy love does. It commits and it completes. It commits and it completes. But that was not all. For I see other things that are too marvelous. I see the way in which love endures. One, let us notice the calm of his commitment. In fairness, he's going to be tested in the garden and it's going to hit him and it's going to be hard. And he's going to pray, Father, if, it if it's possible, take this cup from me. And he's going to pray and it says, perspire as if it were drops of blood. But right now in this moment, with everything looming and everything he's about to walk into, he's not, he's not in panic. He's not stressed. It really is the picture of equanimity, that settled soul. And the way he endures in his love should inspire us. Can you hear me when I say that the way we endure in love matters? It really does. Sometimes I have endured in love, but it's hardly been settled and other focused. It's been like... <laughs> feeling sorry for myself. Maybe you can relate to that. We can, we can endure in love, but it's hard sometimes not to see ourselves as a victim, yet alone to be thinking about other people's needs and to not, you know, get ourselves stressed out or anxious or depressed. You know, a lot of times we're just trying to survive uh, when we're enduring in love. We just want to, we just want to survive try to keep our commitments to the people we love, keep our commitments to Jesus. You know, it's so much easier to drop into what negativity and, and self pity, isn't it? Cause that's it. I mean, like I was saying, our, our focus is usually more self oriented. It's, but Jesus shows us, he models for us the highest level of what healthy love looks like. He is still teaching them in this moment. With everything else that's going on, he's still working with them. He's giving them a lesson they will remember forever, a lesson that we have for all time. And it's one of our favorites to remember. And, and he did for them what none of them would do for the other. He, he took with all that was in motion, all the spiritual warfare that he was immersed in for his words reveal that he was now very cognizant of what was going on. He was not under any illusions. He specifically refers to the devil, but with all of that going on, he takes upon himself the role of a servant, doesn't he? And he washed their feet. It was so humble, startling actually, 
and it would have impressed us regardless of when it was done. Like I, I think we would all remember Jesus washing the disciples' feet if it was just an illustration to teach them about humility and being a servant and what true greatness looks like in the eyes of God. But to do it when he did it, in this moment, with all that was going on, it's just, I don't know, it's just absolutely astonishing to me. And I mean, think about it. His example of enduring love is bravery without bravado. It's bravery without bravado. And that's something we can emulate. Really, we can. We can copy his example. We can follow in his steps. It's not how loud we are, but rather how committed we are. I'll say that one more time. It's not how loud we are, but how committed we are. I think our culture often confuses the two. It worships bravado over true bravery. It does. It does. But Jesus showed us a different way, a superior way, the way that would lead him to the cross and then through the cross, but that's in the life, but that's next week's story. And I wonder if in this moment, you know, well, if this moment was part of what actually the apostle Paul had in mind when he was led to write in that great passage in Philippians, the second chapter, I just want to read it where he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, and here's the example, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Now, he did this by coming to us in his humanity, but he also did it literally here in John 13. He took on the role of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, the ultimate humbling, the ultimate act of service. One more thing then we are reminded of is that being, and I don't want us to miss this. I alluded to this last week in the message about how love hopes all things, but being loving does not mean pretending all is well when it is not. I think that's important because Jesus was, he was just, he was very clear that in these final hours that things were not well and that one of his own had been overwhelmed by the evil one and betrayed him. So Jesus Right? He was speaking honest words. But, <laughs> I mean, think about this. Jesus was loving even in the context of relational betrayal. And that wound should not be minimized. Because Jesus would later say, quoting David of, of the Older Testament, uh, he would say it in, in the 18th verse of John 13. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But, the scripture will be fulfilled. I know Jesus said it with water in his eyes. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. The language of Jesus embedded in the scriptures in the Older Testament. You know, the kiss 
of Judas in the garden would be especially painful. You can read about it in Luke 22. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you? <laughs> when Judas kissed him with the greeting and the way of identifying Jesus, because it was dark and his, his enemies had come to arrest him. But Jesus said to Judas, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? That's not what a kiss is for. But it didn't defeat Jesus. He stayed committed in love to the very end, refused to let that betrayal consume him. Again, not denying its pain, just as a great example for us, just refusing to be defined by it. He, he knew, he knew all, they all were going to let him down. He understood that. Didn't mean it didn't hurt. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He does. He knows what it's like to be hurt by his friends. He had to go it alone on this one. Hmm. And that's another good thing for us to remember. Our trust injuries don't need to define us or defeat our love. They do not. Our trust injuries at the hands of others do not need to define us or defeat our love. Relationships are often complicated. <laughs> That's an understatement. And it's easy to give in to the darker side, become bitter and cynical, stop loving when we feel we've been treated poorly or we have been treated poorly or like our Lord, we, we are forced to endure the deep pain of betrayal that I know some of you have had to endure. And some of you have had to endure the guilt of betraying. And that's a whole nother kind of pain. And yet what did Jesus show us? But that love can both endure. Listen, stay with me. And his healthy love at work in us can also overcome. Even when people disappoint us, when we disappoint ourselves, I was thinking about, about how Jesus must have been disappointed in his disciples. I know he was. It wasn't even a question. And how Judas, in particular, would wound him as only a friend or a loved one could do. You see, intimacy is risky, and Jesus showed us to do it anyway. Into me, see. And so, whew, as we make our way into the Easter week, this week of the passion of Christ, people all over the world are going to be remembering Jesus and preparing for Easter. Let's pause to remember the example of, that he showed us of how love endures. And, you know, there's, some, there's a couple of practical things that I want you to consider doing in the days ahead. I'm going to draw from the historical church calendar and just challenge some of us in a good way, to consider um, what is called Maundy Thursday, sometimes called Holy Thursday. Maundy is derived from the Latin word command. It refers to Jesus' commandment to the disciples to love one another as I have loved you. And it's a time when many ponder, ah, the Last Supper and the example of Jesus that we just looked at, washing the disciples' feet. So it's a, it's a great way to sit with, maybe, maybe some of us just need to sit some more with this teaching and revisit it and consider 
the example of Jesus. And then, of course, there's Good Friday. And Good Friday is a day when we are invited to reflect upon the extent of committed love, the love of Jesus, a love that endured shame and suffering in the cross, the love of God on full display for God so loved this world that he gave us his only son, right? Jesus died for us. You know, whoever would believe in it would not perish, not lead a futile and dying life, but have everlasting life. I mean, that's the promise that we are given. And, and so lastly, we go back to where we start. The word endures. You know, love endures all things. Hupomoni means to bear the weight. And it's, it's impossible not to see Jesus carrying the cross, the cross of love. So when I think of how love endures, how love bears the weight, I want to pause this week and think about, especially on Friday, how Jesus bears the weight, how he takes, literally, he bore the cross. He bore the weight. His love endured. Do you see it? Faltering even under its weight. Such was the humility of God that he would allow himself to be constrained by the natural law of humanity. And he came to us as a fully human being, both God and man among us. And as man, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't in his depleted condition, even as a man in his prime, carry that, that cross. He couldn't do it. He needed help. Well, you know, when we, when we, I mean, Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And when we ponder the cross, I hope we will remember the love that finished, right? The love that refused to quit. The love that will never quit on us. This just won't do it. He won't quit on you. Jesus will never quit on you, loved one. We have, we have his word on it, but we also have his life on it. The cross is the reminder of how love endures even when it's hard, even when no one will stand with us. And I, I'm not saying that's what we want. I mean, I'm so thankful for good friends and people who will make the walk. In fact, again, I go back to Jesus making the walk, carrying the cross. He, he was helped. He was helped by Simon the Cyrene to carry that cross. So if the Lord models for us that it's okay to have others help us follow him better than uh, as Jesus was walking to Villa Dolorosa on our behalf, then you and I are going to need the blessing of one another every now and then to help us carry that, that cross and help us to endure in love, right? Isn't that true? So, you know, with that in mind, uh, I, just, I just want to remind all of us to make the most of this week and really try to honor the Lord and draw near to Him and listen for His voice and enjoy the sacred moment and be with Jesus in a special way that He might flow into our lives um, in not typical ways, but something that is connected to the fact that so many people all over the world 
are marking this moment and praying and preparing and choosing to honor this as the, the time to remember the love of God as revealed on Calvary, the cross, and then his resurrection, all that that means for you and me, life now, life yet to come. Everything's right there. So may his life flow through you and me. I've got a couple more things to share on the other side of our time of worship and song. So let's, let's just let this moment settle in and then I'll come back around and close this out.
loved ones, as we make our way into the Easter week, I want us to think about a couple of things. Are there some things that the Lord is asking us to bear, that He wants our love to endure in? Are there some commitments that He he needs for us to keep even, listen, listen, even when a part of us wants to escape? He gets that. He gets us. Remember when he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Are there some humble places also that he wants us to fulfill when our pride wants to say, no way? Whatever the Lord is speaking to you, and I'm wanting to to keep my heart wide open as well. Say, Lord, I I wanna do what you want me to do. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And may then the life of Jesus flow flow through you in incredible ways. May he be yours this week. And may he carry you all the way into Easter and beyond. That's my prayer of blessing over you all. Let's do this together in Jesus' name.